Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, where we let light shine out of darkness. With your host, Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist. The Illuminate Podcast is brought to you by the Trust Building Academy, which features the brand new course, Trust Building Bootcamp, a 12-week course to help people who have broken trust, repair that trust, and become a trustworthy person. You can get 30% off the Trust Building Bootcamp by entering the code ILLUMINATE at checkout. Visit TrustBuildingAcademy.com for more details. Hello there, and welcome back to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm Jeff Stewart, your host, and it's good to be with all of you once again. In the previous episode, I introduced you to Alice Taylor, and she is the author of the book Restored, and she's from Sydney, Australia. And she was willing to go on the record and talk about her own personal struggles with pornography and sexual addiction and abuse and trauma. And she has gone public with her story, both in her book and, of course, on podcasts and other places to let women know that if they struggle with these issues, if they struggle with pornography addiction and sexual compulsive behaviors, that they are not alone and they are not broken and that they absolutely can get help and support And she is doing everything she can to let women know that there are resources available for them. And she also is working hard to educate the public and professionals about being more inclusive in talking about the unique struggles that women have. And she's got some great ideas and resources to help all of us open up and be more inclusive and aware of the struggles that women have with these issues. And that it's not just men that struggle with pornography addiction. In the previous episode, I interviewed Alice about her story, and in this episode, I am going to specifically talk with her about how to help women who struggle with these issues, and we're going to explore the unique treatment needs that women have and ways that we can be more inviting and open to their experiences. And there are just some very simple and straightforward ways that we can be more supportive and inclusive of women who struggle with pornography addiction. And the sensitivity around this is really important because so many women are just absolutely convinced that they're the only ones struggling with this and that it's only the men and that there must be something wrong with them if they struggle. And Alice is wanting us to all just be aware of the fact that there are lots of women silently suffering with these beliefs and she wants to do everything she can to eliminate that and bring healing to so many women out there. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, as always, please go back and check it out so that you can be familiar with Alice and her wonderful spirit and her story. She's a Christian. She's motivated by light and healing and wanting people to seek goodness. And I just love her energy and her spirit. She's such a cool lady. And I'm looking forward to you hearing this second episode. So let's jump right into it with Alice Taylor. Well, welcome back to the Illuminate Podcast. I've got Alice Taylor with me here. Alice, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to be back. So, Alice, you are the author of a new book called Restored, A Women's Guide to Overcoming Pornography. And to my listeners, if you haven't listened to the previous episode where Alice tells her story, I highly encourage you to go back. Of course, context is always wonderful, but more importantly, her story is quite amazing. And someone who's overcome tremendous odds, bullying, violence, trauma, and addiction, and is now speaking up and sharing her message of hope and validation for women all over the world. And of course, now she's got this book, which is is no small accomplishment. But Alice, I want to, in this interview right now, I'd like to have our listeners understand a little bit more about why in the world 
would you take on something like a book, right? Like that is such a big commitment. <laughs> I've written a lot of stuff and it takes a lot of effort and work, especially something so personal. I mean, you could have just been quiet about this, talked to people here and there and done your own little recovery work, but here you are putting it right under the spotlight. So why did you decide to write a book? Yeah. Oh man, it's so much work. <laughs> it's so worth it though. But really, I feel like writing the book, it was never really an option not to. Like I just always knew, even whilst I was still in recovery and still struggling, I knew that I was going to write a book. Okay. I knew that I've always had to be out there because when I was struggling, I found it so hard to find a resource for women. You know, I would Google porn addiction and women or porn help for women, how to stop watching porn plus women. And I would just get this tsunami of resources for men. And they truly made me believe that I was the only woman struggling. Like if the internet wasn't talking about women and porn, something was wrong. I was like, wow, I must be terrible. The internet's not talking about it. And I just, you know, I believed I was fundamentally flawed because if no one was talking about the issue of women in porn, I decided that, you know, either nobody else is doing it or it was too bad to talk about. And that was so painful. And that gave me so much shame. And that kept me trapped in my addiction. Like I just kept cycling in this addiction. And so I just knew, well, there's no voices. I have one. Someone needs to fill that void. Yes. Um, So I just always knew I'm going to write a book. And I was like, I should probably recover first before I write the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good idea. Good idea. That was one of my biggest motivators for actually recovering and doing the hard work. Oh, good for you. You My best friend who became my accountability partner, the friend from the last podcast episode who, you know, I confessed to and she said, me too. And I was like, are you serious? What? She was amazing. She always was just like kicking my butt saying, if you're going to write a book, Alice, you need to stop looking at porn. She was great. Um, <laughs> Good for <laughs> so her. That's the motivation. You want to recover, decide to write a book about your recovery. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, like I just knew it was, it's so important for women to have a voice in this conversation because there's really not many people who are talking about it. Uh, and just knowing that you're not alone is the first step to feeling safe enough to speak out and say, hey, I have a problem. And that's where healing begins, when you're able to acknowledge out loud to someone that something is not right. So you wanted to be the voice that you didn't have for you. Yeah. This book is everything that I wanted and needed, but didn't have uh, when I was trying to recover. Yeah, that's great. And so I love that it drove your own recovery so that you could be a resource to others, that you were willing to do the hard work so that you could be an example, so that you could be a support and be in a healthy place. Because I agree. I think a lot of people in early recovery have a motivation to want to help others, but sometimes that can get in the way of doing their own work. And so mm-hmm. I totally respect that. I think that that's a really smart approach. Yeah. It was, it was many years in the making this book. <laughs> yeah. No, that's wonderful. And so how would you describe this book to my listeners? Like, tell us a little bit more about the book and what's in it and what your whole purpose is for it. Yeah. So Restored is a practical recovery guide. I wanted to make it you know, as useful and practical as possible. So the first chapter is my story in detail. And then the nine chapters after that are nine steps uh, that women struggling with porn or, you know, women struggling with sex or masturbation, any of those kind of related things, nine steps that they should take to start their journey. Um, I've broken them down. There's reflection questions, there's, you know, short activities, and I've made it very, it's very personal. Like this is kind of like, it's almost like reading my own recovery journey 
journal rather, um, and I've added in some hindsight for people who are on the journey at the moment. So it's very relatable. I try to make it very practical, but also a little lighthearted, like because you can read a recovery book and just get really depressed because it's overwhelming amount of work, and it's very, you know, my story is pretty sad. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. Um, but I try. Yeah, I tried to put some funny stuff in it. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> I good. People, <laughs> you know be able to relate and do some healing work, but also just like have a breather every now and then, maybe even have a laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's hard work. So in my book, I talk about, you know, how to do accountability, like some practical step-by-step stuff, who to choose as your accountability partner. How do you tell them? And what kind of questions you should be asking every time you meet up, talk about, you know, investing in some therapy and mentorship, not just trying to do this on your own with, another person who knows just as little as you do about this stuff. You know, I've dedicated a chapter to talking about masturbation because that can be a really controversial thing. You know, is it something a woman should be doing? Is it something, you know, a religious woman should be doing? Are there boundaries? You know, how do you engage with that with addiction? You know, complicated, lots of opinions. One thing I loved Um, about that. Yeah. I read through that chapter real quick as I was reading through your book and what I loved about that that whole section on masturbation specifically is that you sort of did, and again, I this is not to put your parents down, but I think a lot of religious parents who who are God fearing and you know are trying to follow the Bible and, and their teachings, they just they sort of just are fine with really easy answers, right? They're just fine with the black and white sort of like, well, just don't do it and don't think about it, you know. So yeah, <laughs> what I loved about your chapter specifically on this very delicate, controversial issue that people are very mixed about is that you gave a place for people to actually ask questions and think through it. And to really, it's a very respectful discussion about, you know, is it really serving you and really helping people come to their own conclusion, which I think is exactly what parents, you know, as they think about my own kids and just my clients and the people I'm working with and guiding, people have to come to their own conclusions about this. We can't just shut down the discussion and sort yeah. of bypass it spiritually and just sort of say like, well, just don't do it. Don't think about it. Move on. Not helpful. Yeah. We're smarter yeah. than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to, that was the hardest chapter to write. Yeah. I could see that. That was really tough, but yeah, it's so important to talk about the gray areas of life, yeah. even though it'd be so much easier to be black and white. <laughs> yeah. It's really important, especially in recovery. You've got to be able to deal with that and look at what's happening on the inside for you, not just, you know, the external rules that you've been given. I love that. Exactly. So many people go into compliance in recovery and just will be like, okay, fine, I won't do that. But they're exploding Mm. inside and they've not had a chance to really make sense of what they're feeling or what they're thinking or even have a voice. And so that stuff comes out sideways all the time. So I I love that you've, you know, you've kind of created an internal conversation for people, a way to really organize and make sense of their own experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think my goal with the whole book was really to deal with the inside not necessarily just, you know, the behavior, like not just how to not look at porn. It's how to, you know, figure out what's actually going on in your heart. Why do you want to look at porn? Why are you hooked? Why do you believe certain things, you know, about life, yourself, God, whatever. And also I wanted to guide people into how to restore a better life, not just restricting, but how to experience frustration in relationships, you know, with you know, your own sense of self and who you are and your identity and how to engage with the world again and create a beautiful life that you don't actually want to escape from anymore. I love that. That's a great way to put it. So besides the fact that you're 
not only a woman writing this book, but also a woman who's gone through this and, you know, telling your very personal story. What are the unique needs of women in recovery that you wouldn't find in a book written for men? Mm. I think for men and women in recovery, there's a lot of overlap. You know, when you get to the point where you're compulsively, addictively using porn, a lot of the issues are the same. Like it's an escape, you know, they're relational issues. And also like, it's just exciting and it feels good because it's sex. And, you know, we're both, both genders are sexual, but yeah, there are a few things that are more predominant in women. In my own experience and women I've talked to, I've noticed, as we talked about before, shame. That is a special, special need for women. Obviously, men experience a lot of shame and it's very difficult for them to acknowledge their problem with porn. But yeah, that special kind of societal shame that women face, like you shouldn't be, you know, a sexual being, you know, you shouldn't be, it's just, you know, it's considered a guy's issue. Yeah. You should be the Um, gatekeeper of virtue, right? You should be the one that is pushing the guys away. What's your problem? And those kinds of shameful messages. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So when women struggle with it, you know, they think, oh, wow. Like, as I said before, they think I'm the only one I'm alone and they can't talk about it. So that is like hands down number one issue for women. It's shame. And to help them overcome that, it's pretty cool. Women just need to be included in the conversation. Yeah. Um, just a lot of people ask me like, you know, well, how like people in leadership, especially in churches, how do I include women? Like, what do I say to a woman who comes to me and struggles with porn? Or how do I help her to come to me and not feel ashamed? And it's as simple as just using like a little three-letter magic word, and. When you're talking about porn, just say men and women struggle with porn. Boys and girls are exposed to porn. When it's a married couple, don't assume that it's just the guy. Just assume that the man or the woman could be struggling with porn. It's just that simple. And just like that one little extra sentence, extra word, that could give a woman the courage to actually step forward and say, yeah, I have a problem. Because in that moment, she's been told you're not alone. I love that. Uh, And that's, they're not getting that right now. (laughs) Three little letters, right? That can basically send just a ray of hope to let a woman know, you know, you're included in this and you're not alone and it's not accusatory. It's just very validating. I love that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So important. You know, we need to be informed about women in porn. Right. We need to include them. Yeah. So really, sorry, real quick. So the other issue for you're saying is that the unique needs of women, like initially you're saying the unique needs of women are just for one, just for us to even include and acknowledge and talk about the fact that women struggle with this. Like that is such a big part of this conversation in terms of the healing for a woman. She needs yeah. to, she just needs to know that she's included and that she's part of this, this, this recovery conversation. And that is just so healing in and of itself. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's incredibly healing. I mean, I know women who are in their sixties and seventies and they've been struggling with porn for years and years and years. And they're only acknowledging that they have a problem now. Um, right. Because, you know, because a lot of women have contacted me because they've read my book and they saw it online or they saw a blog and they're like, I'm 67. This is the first time I've actually acknowledged I have a problem. Oh, that's wonderful. Because for so many years, yeah. it's been silent. It's like, it's amazing. Like, it's such a, you know, just include them and then you can change their life. Yes. Yeah. That's good. So the next, so you, so you were going to say the next thing then in terms of uh, unique needs for women, what else were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say um, the other really significant thing, which is definitely an issue for men as well, but I do find it is more predominant in women, is you've got to look at what's underneath that struggle. You've got to look at their heart. You know, men and women, 
They both enjoy porn because it's free sex, you know, and it's right there and it's exciting. But women tend to get hooked and keep going back again and again and again because they have an issue with intimacy. They have some kind of experience with broken, ruptured, abused intimacy in their life. And they're using porn as a way, well, as a way to try and redeem that experience of broken intimacy. And that's something that needs to be looked at really seriously. Usually with like a professional therapist, that kind of work needs to be done. Dr. Patrick Carnes would call it an intimacy disorder. And I found that almost every woman I've spoken to, they haven't had the words for it. But as soon as I've said that and described it, they've said, oh my gosh, that's what I want. That's why I'm looking at porn. It's not actually about the sex. You know, the porn is just a symptom of an underlying intimacy disorder. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I agree with you on that as well. And I in the work I've done with men, there's obviously some, like you said, there's a lot of overlap there. But I think for women especially, I think there's a lot of pressure on women to be sexual, whether they're looking at pornography or not. The women's magazines, movies basically tell women, like, you should be really good at this, right? You should be very sexual. You should look sexual. You should act sexual. You know, there's just a lot of pressure on women to be in this place where I don't see that being directed at men as, as much in terms of the, the expectations and the pressure. So you're saying, yeah, a lot of women end up turning to porn kind of like you did after a broken experience or feeling, whether that's coming from the media or from a failed relationship or abuse or other things like that where they're turning to porn as sort of a way to like validate and make sense of like, am I doing this right? Am I enough? How does this mm. even work? Is that what you're saying, Alice? Yeah. And also just, you know, porn is this infinite, intimate fantasy. And you can turn on, you know, your favorite website and search for anything. And you can fantasize about, you know, any particular person or, you know, setting. And you can, you know, try and mold porn to fit your unmet emotional needs. You know, it's it's not helping and it's not healthy, but that's what a lot of women are trying to do. Whether it's, you know, control, they might have experienced a loss of control, you know, because of abuse in their past. And so the type of porn that they might be looking into is one where either they're in control or someone else is in control and they're fantasizing about that sort of historical event. Right. Yeah. In the best way it was described to me, is that, you know, imagine a person who's literally like starving for food. They haven't eaten in a long time and their body is craving food. They need it. They will do anything to get to it. And it's the same thing with a woman who is starved of intimacy. At any stage in her life, often in childhood, you know, she craves it. It's this basic human need. And when it does become available or when it appears available in porn, she's going to go and binge on it because she is starving even though it's not a real expression of intimacy, porn pretends to be, and she'll go and seek it at all costs. And that's when she gets hooked. Right. And then obviously, like you said, more isolated, more lonely, more ashamed. Yeah. Because it's so fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes the cycle. It just Every time you use porn again and you fall into that shame, it just compounds the cycle and just like keeps you going and keeps you stuck and just gets worse every time. <laughs> so when you think of you know church leaders, loved ones, you know, partners that are trying to support a woman in recovery, what are some things that, that they can do to be more sensitive and, and supportive to mm -hmm. the unique needs of a woman in recovery? Yeah. So I think, you know, first off, you know, just, you know, acknowledging, yeah, like women have this problem and I'm not judging you for struggling with porn. Like just even just saying it out loud, just as basic as that, I don't judge you for struggling. I know that other women struggle as well. You're not alone. 
that validation is really important, like just continually, because that shame monster is just going to keep coming up and saying, actually, nah, like there's something wrong with you. So continual validation and representation, inclusion in the conversation, and just like, and acknowledging that there's more to it than just the sex and just the porn. I've got to be aware that a woman struggling with porn probably is extremely vulnerable, you know, possibly has trauma and abuse, broken relationships, loss and pain in her life. And she needs to be cared for. She needs to be put in a safe place. And, you know, these are church leaders and, you know, loved ones want to support a woman. They're probably going to be doing this already. But just, yeah, being mindful that there is pain in that woman. So be a safe person, you know, be vulnerable together. And, and I guess encourage encourage her to seek further help because yeah. there's going to be some stuff that an accountability partner, you know, a romantic partner or a friend, even an accountability partner, there's going to be stuff that they can't touch, the stuff that they can't deal with, and she's going to need like professional help. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's the most healing thing, and that's a that's a big thing that I keep saying in my book. You need to get professional help. Like you need to deal with that pain. Because if you don't deal with that, you know, it's like plucking fruit off a tree. You can pluck the fruit or the behavior off for a season. But if those roots and that environment that you're in, if that doesn't change, it's just going to grow back. I think that a lot of, at least in my experience, and I'm curious if you've seen the same thing, a lot of people minimize what this is like for women. Almost, again, that sort of that sense of, well, you know, women don't really struggle with this all the way to, well, it's probably not as bad as guys that struggle with it. Or whatever, but mm. but there's a lot of sort of minimizing and dismissing her experience that she's really in trouble. She's in a lot of emotional pain, and so a lot of the times women don't get the support and the help they need because either people are uncomfortable with the idea of a woman struggling with this, or you know, especially if you're a man trying to help a woman, you know, you might feel conflicted about that, or you know, it might be like ah, like uh, are women are sexual, or is this you know? I mean, there's just a lot of discomfort with it, and you're just saying we have to push past that and and see it for what it is, which is, this is not about sex. This is about somebody who's in deep emotional pain, intimate pain, and they need resources and support to be able to deal with that instead of just, like you said, just trying to eliminate the behavior so we can quit talking about it. <laughs> mm, yeah, totally. I think that just shows like we need to keep talking about this. There needs to be so much more education and awareness. You know, I found a lot of church leaders they happen to be men. And I think that's part of the reason that women and porn isn't being addressed because they either just don't know because they've never been told and they only know their experience or they just don't quite understand that it is just as severe or even more severe than a lot of men's struggles because it is more uncommon for women to struggle with porn. You know, the stats say that there are more men. Yeah, for sure. So I think for a woman to get to that point where she's, you know, addicted you know, it might actually mean that she has more issues, you know, these underlying issues than all of these guys because porn is generally sort of marketed to men, you know, from a young age. It's like, you know, porn, you know, we've made this porn for guys and it's kind of accepted that, you know, guys are visual, you know, probably all guys watch porn. So for women to get to that stage as well, not that there's anything like, you know, there's nothing extra wrong with them or there's no extra shame there, but it means they've probably got some pretty serious issues within themselves to find themselves at that point. Right. This wasn't, you know, obviously in your story, you know, you weren't struggling with it just because you were, you know, just totally into sex and couldn't get enough sex. Like it was driven by a much deeper pain and hurt mm. and isolation and loneliness and emotional issues. I mean, there's so much under the hood there. And you're saying that 
Yeah. For a lot of women, if they get to that point, they're not, you know, they're not just the curious teenage boy stuff. It's they're, yeah. th- there might be some initial curiosity, but the hook is going to be emotional. The hook is going to be deeper pain. We can't minimize yeah. that or overlook it. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. it. Sure. Yeah. So your book restored is really, it's designed. F- so for any woman that is starting this journey, she could meet you right where she's at in the book, right? Like she could get help right away in terms of validation, support, some some initial steps and tools to get going on the path, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it's it's yeah. not it, it's not some advanced guide. You're saying like, nope, I start right at the beginning, right? Yeah, this is this is for the woman who may have never told anyone before in the depths of her struggle. We're starting small, you know. Here's my story. You know, you're not alone. And then first step, and you know, and you take this book at your own pace. You know, you don't have to like go through and every time you read a chapter, you've got to go and implement that step straight away because that is terrifying. You take it at the pace that you're ready because some people are going to be ready for, you know, deeper work than others. You know, some people might have read the book three times and they're ready to do some more work. Yeah. But, you know, you can take it one paragraph at a time. If that paragraph is going to take you three months to work on, that's fine. You know, there's, this is just about healing at your own pace and, you know, knowing where you are in your own journey. Well, Alice, thank you. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for this book. And I will definitely put links in the show notes so people know where to find it. I assume it's available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I just happen to have a Kindle copy of it. So I figured it was available in paper form as well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> do, you, do you have a website? Yes. My website is thegracespot.com. And I'm also on Facebook and you know, and Twitter and Instagram and all of those. Wonderful. Yeah, you can find information there. Perfect. Yep. And I'll make sure listeners that I put all those links in the show notes so you can find Alice and her work and reach out to her and get support as well. But again, thank you. Thank you so much. So grateful to have you on here and to add your voice to not only these episodes, but to also extend healing to you know thousands of women out there. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been amazing. You can learn more about Alice Taylor and her work at thegracespot.com. That's her website. And you can also purchase her book on Amazon. The name of the book is Restored. And once again, her name is Alice Taylor. So go check that out. You can also find her on social media. She's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the name that you want to search for is The Grace Spot Ministries. And you can find her and follow her work there. Alice is great, isn't she? And I'm just so grateful to her for spending time with us and being so willing to offer these insights. And I hope you'll go uh, look up her information, follow her, support her work and get her book and make it available to other people who you might know so that we can all be more educated and aware and sensitive to these unique issues that women struggle with and how we can best support them. And as always, I want to thank all of you, my listeners, for your support with the Illuminate podcast, for your topic suggestions and your wonderful feedback and comments. And also, Ken, please leave a review on iTunes so other people can find this podcast and receive the hope and healing that they need. And I look forward to being with all of you once again in the next episode of the Illuminate Podcast. Mm -hmm.